Hi, I'm Raymond. I'm Kim. And I'm Will. And you're listening to The, the Crusading, Crusading Couch! <laughs> Excellent. So, uh, this week we're going to be talking about, well, this month, I guess, this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, player conflict uh, and interplayer relationships uh, and how that affects your game. Uh, and how you as a storyteller or player uh, can deal with those uh, sort of situations. Uh, this was a topic suggested by Billy, uh, and he will be leading us through uh, the discussion. So, Billy? Okay, so this is something of a personal interest in mine to begin with. If you're coming in late or recently to this podcast, we've touched on a lot of stuff previously. We've looked at building worlds, creating characters basically the building blocks of making or running your own game. Why I want to do this topic is it's something more related to rather than what you can do to create situations, dealing with situations that are outside of your control. Uh, the Things human that elements, arise spontaneously. Indeed. So I really want to look at <coughs> if you're running a game or playing in a game, you've got your story, your environment, your characters, etc, etc, all the little bits and pieces you need. but. I want to look at player politics, how people get along, what situations might arise where there could become difficulties or schisms within a group, and how as a player or storyteller you can deal with that. So I've got a number of... Mm, Talking points? Yeah, sorry, my brain fizzled That's there. That's fine. You've had a long... Billy has had a long day at work, uh, and he's graciously, graciously set aside some time yeah. for us. <laughs> or bravely... I'll go with Bravely, it sounds better. Yeah, so I want to be looking at all the little things that cause, or have the potential to cause, conflicts in games. If you've played before, you might be familiar with some of these. I expect that Raymond and Kim will have had some experience. I, there is one recent example that I will probably So I'm going to start this off with, I'm going to ask a question to each of my two brave compagnons. Yep, comrades. Uh, what is the biggest uh, instance that comes to mind, if any do, uh, where there's been a conflict between players hmm oh that's that's a good one and this can be things like uh, some common ones I found is certainly arguments uh, over loot uh, for instance players who take the game very seriously compared to those who just want to have fun uh, different personalities in people on their own I've never really had a problem with loot uh, I can think of one situation where I was worried that there was going to be a problem over loot. Um, this was in Kim's game. Uh, both Billy and I were playing um, Assassins, uh, uh, yeah. father, a father and son team. Um, we were both Tengu. Who were uh, terrible. And people. we managed to come across, because we were the more... We were closer to being skill monkeys than the other players because we were assassins. Uh, Billy and I ended up ahead of the party a little bit in the <coughs> dungeon equivalent. It wasn't actually a dungeon. Um, and so we came across a large amount of gold and we decided to keep it for ourselves uh, <laughs> because why would we share it? They don't even know that the money exists. Uh, and I was worried that that would cause conflict, but it ended up going over pretty fine with everyone, which I was surprised by, because that's normally yeah. a thing. I am a big exponent of the random distribution of loot. 
Um, so what do you mean uh, by that? Well, so that makes that makes sense um, in a traditional situation where all the players come to the room at the at the same time. But in that sort of a situation, um, a, a lot of players would get to that situation and be like, "Oh, well, I better divide this up with everyone, regardless." Yeah, I. Uh vaguely recall yeah. the, the, the incident and I think it was actually designed like in my run notes I think I actually had the players that reach this room first will find mm. this loot item and they can then make a, de- a decision on mm. what the, uh, on what they want to do with it and I think that uh, a player whether they're taking it seriously or casually the game should be sporting mm. enough Indeed. to Realize that it was a character decision, not a player yeah, indeed, decision yeah. to actually keep that loot. And I thought that the decision that these guys made in terms of the of, of, of the gold in this particular example was keeping within character for their characters. No, so indeed. I didn't feel that it was necessary, or that it was even going to be an issue for me as a, the storyteller to step in. Yeah and actually diffuse a situation. But in terms of um, your typical, we just defeated the monster, you get loot for defeating the monster, I think that uh, that a, a random distribution rather than a need for distribution. And if you get something that you don't need, providing that it's keeping within character, I think that the, the player should make their character's decision to be uh, to be to offer that item to another um, uh, to another character that may be able to use it better. Well, that sort because of normally you're bound together by mm. a common overarching main quest goal, yeah. um, e- even though each character has their own uh, personal goals. What's so you, sorry, I'm going to butt go. in here quickly. So, do you think in a group of players, as a player, if you find something, the recording of awesomeness plus four to speaking, uh, and you have a very speaky uh, character in the party, and the person who's playing that goes, that's really good for my character, you should give that to me. So, uh, I, as, as we know, I tend to lean more towards uh, the story aspect. Um, so if we've been doing a lot lately in our gaming. Yeah. Like, yeah. Loot hasn't even been a thing. Yeah, so loot for <laughs> ages. Like we do not acquire significant items that boost our characters. Yeah, indeed. That often. So, like in Eclipse Fades, it's expected that you, as a player, will buy that shit yourself. Like it's not the GM duty to supply with it. Yeah, but the thing that I want a thing, you go buy. Yeah, go thing, yeah. go fab it. The thing I was going to say is, um, in that situation, if one player, if if uh, the the ninja, the stealthy dude got the thing of talky stuff, and the talky character wanted it, if the player of the talky based character, the social character, said that to the other one, then I think that um, that player who had picked up the item should try and think of a way in this that it works in the story. So if it was like a a uh, sly. Um, <coughs> greed-minded assassin, they might be... The player might be, like, fully willing to just give it to the other character, uh, the other person. But in order to make it work for their character, they, like, put it to them as a proposition. So, uh, the... 
the two players might have already worked out the bargain. Like, it's just, okay, so you take this and that's fine. Um, that's what goes on. But then in the actual character discussion, it's like, well, I'm going to need a favor from you in the future, or I want a piece of information, or uh, I want uh, to know the whereabouts of this thing, yeah, or whatever. Justify it. For yeah, some kind of actual story. Reason. So to break it down and put it on yeah. topic, because I have a question. Say uh, you find something and another, a player, not a character, wants it because it's really good but doesn't make sense for their character and they're obviously prepared to make a big deal of this. Yeah. Does the player who found it have an obligation to give it to them to maintain party coherency? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yep. Yeah, I okay. would... I mean, I'm inclined to say... Mm, yes with a but? Like... You okay, should two different answers. You should tr- you should try and give it to them if you can find a reason that fits. Well, I think that. I but think, if I if think a what player Ryan said yeah. here is that is that there isn't a reason. Like, if there's no reason, it, then like, there's no then you like, shouldn't like, be forced like, to give like, it to like them. The no. player just wants it. So player X has found a thing, and player Y wants it. Player, not character. Yeah. yeah. But there is no reason for. The characters character to exchange that. To yeah. need it. Yeah. And, then, and on top of that, there may be a reason why character X would not give it. In which yeah. case, I think that character X is under no obligation to give it. Um, and uh, player X is under no obligation to give it. And if player Y is going to take that personally, then this relates to another point on yeah. the list. Is that it is actually the storyteller... The storyteller has to take... Doesn't have to. The storyteller should adjudicate. The, the, the storyteller should adjudicate, but they may also have to take the brunt for this. Mm. Ah, okay. So, oh, that's a, so, there. So, so, okay. so, so the story. So to protect player X who found the thing, yeah. the storyteller makes it their decision yeah. not to give it to player Y. Yeah. Take it out of player X's hands because it doesn't make sense for the story. It doesn't make sense for the world. It doesn't make sense for the characters that you've created. And player Y is playing out of character. And, and, and that is a more heinous crime than... Uh, un- unequal loot yeah. distribution. You say heinous, funny. That's a great word. Okay, so say... Uh, say this player instead, there is uh, there's a reason this player uh, should maybe have this item, mm. but they've been getting a shit ton of loot lately, and all the other players think that they just want it because they want this cool shit, even though it makes sense for their character. Do you? Do the other players uh, have an? Op- do, should they step in here and say something as well, or leave it all to the GM? Or I think if the person the the players, if it's obvious to most of the players that that is what's going on then the players should back up the GM's decision um, I mean for the most part you should always be backing the GM's decision um, unless it is like (coughs) obviously a bad one Um, and even then you want to be gentle Um, yeah I think the players should be prepared to back the GM's call um, the GM should probably lead that though, because the GM, for the most part, is in a higher pos- is in a position of authority over the players. Um, they have knowledge 
of the world that the players don't. Um, they have been, for uh, whatever reason, they are the one that has been designated as the adjudicator of the rules in your group. Whether that is because it's the, they are the one that wanted to run this game, or you all wanted to play... Um, what is there's a there's a great game I think it's called Blue Rose which is a magical girl princess RPG that I really want to play uh, you know you're running Blue Rose uh, you all wanted to play it they and you all voted for them to be the uh, be the uh, rules person the rules master um, they have that authority and so they're uh, they should be supported in that role uh, to the best of players ability the topic I want to touch on later, which is player and GM mutiny, but I'm not sure how much that fits this. But well, we'll see how we go. If it comes up again. Um, so the next question I want to ask is, so you're the storyteller. We've established that you should be, as Kim said, sort of making the call and bearing the brunt of it. So how then... Is, is there a best way to deal with you running this game and now you've got a player who's perhaps not obviously, uh, but you're, you know, pissed off at you and it's coming out in their interactions with not just in the game but out of the game as well. Mm. And let's say, this is not always like, oh my god, why did you invite Ted? He's such a dick. We didn't want him in this game. This is a... Ted, uh, Ted's been really keen on something. It hasn't gone his way. He's frustrated and he's taking it out in that run. Ted. As a storyteller, what do you... How, is there a good way to handle that? Ted, if uh, if you're a friend that we make in the future, this was recorded before we met you. Yeah, I love you, Ted. I, yeah, I I do not currently know anyone called Ted, but if it turns out in the future, we didn't know. <laughs> oh, I knew. We didn't know. I don't have a friend called Ned, Ted. Yeah. I don't have a friend called Ned. Actually, I do have a friend called Ned. Anyway. I know Ted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... um. Uh, I think I've been that player. Yeah? Yeah. I think, I think I've been the player that was the guy, and I was like really keen on this thing. I think it was an event. Like, okay. it was something out of, it, it was either, I, I can recall two actually. I can recall one that was in my special. Let's theater. walk across the planet. Uh, it, no, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I can recall one that was like, it was just an event. It was in my specialty area. So I was just like, I need to be boss at this because this is my job within the party. Yeah. And I failed it for uh, increasingly difficult environmental reasons. Are we talking about the negoti- the talking with the alien? No. Okay. Um... And I didn't feel justified as a player because my character's primary function was this and So you felt that your character was being denied at the thing that he was supposed to succeed at. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So it's just kind of like if you've got like a core concept around which you built your character's skill set and your character is sucking at that skill set on that day, then you feel... Frustrated. In retrospect, with that specific example, did it does it seem like that was not the GM's conscious decision, but that so like let's say you were swinging from a vine and then you fell off the vine uh, and landed in a mud patch. So that gave you an 
another penalty because the forest was slick with rain, but now you were in a mud puddle as well, so your boots were weighed down. Was it that kind of a situation? Or do you really feel like it was more the GM had intended think, th for this to be hard uh, 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 and just uh, uh, kept I think, making it I think harder? That, yeah, I think that the GM thought that my character was up to it, yeah. and it wasn't. Okay. And didn't take in-game steps in the instance to alleviate that additional stress. It was just like, yeah. you failed at this thing yeah. today. And all of my interactions with NPCs for the rest of the rest of the run yeah. were were dick moves. So I was just like, I am going to intentionally try oh, and okay. derail yeah. you because you derailed me earlier. Yeah, you. okay. That that speaks to um player validation, which is something that I've been dealing so, with recently. Do you think there's anything that the DM or the other players could have done to sort of turn that around afterwards? Like if they noticed you were in a shit mood no, or was just it no, had to run its it, course? It, 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 if I was the DM in that situation, I would have trusted that this would have been for only one run. Yeah. And if, if it comes up again, if, then if, you if talk you, to if them. If you kind of dick move with the rest of the NPCs for that run, everyone has a suboptimal time. You go away. You think about what you did. You realize. You both realize the DM and the player realize that what you did was wrong, and then you come back the next yeah. run, and everything's hunky dory kind of thing. That's what I would expect of most, mature adults yeah. people to do. With the other instance, it was something that was totally out of my skill zone, and I thought it would have been particularly awesome yeah. if it had come off it didn't come off and I was crappy for about 15 minutes because I really wanted to do this this was in the realm of lights one shot when uh, my archer didn't defuse the bomb right despite yeah the, yeah if only you'd been um, you know it was firearms based range it, it character was, it was it was possible yeah. but not not easy I was just in a crappy mood. I wasn't crappy at yeah. No, Raymond no, no, ran this campaign, by the way. Um, I wasn't crappy. Game. I, I, I wasn't crappy at you. I was yeah. just sort of crappy at the whole situation and was a little bit disinterested with the battle. My unit for 10, 15 minutes, yeah. and then got back on board and tried yeah. to and tried to. Because that leads into as well. Like, it was like a. It was like a. An, yeah. oh, oh. It was like a tizzy. Ah. Oh. Oh, how how good would that have been yeah. if I hadn't been yeah. <laughs> completely <laughs> incompetent at the task of hand? Mm. But at the same time, um, the the ramifications of that, which you did deal out, yeah, uh, were that I suffered a penalty for stuff that I was supposed to be good at for the rest of the game because I'd just been exploded at. Yes, in a fun way. You um, got he got shards of bomb casing in his um in the in those back muscles, which are important for drawing yeah, the bow. Yeah, but it was only a one shot. If it was a campaign, oh, yeah. I can imagine that I would have been considerably a bit more shitted off. But possibly, but if it was would not have also jumped on a bomb outside of my skill set either. <laughs> you know, like yeah. And if it was, was a campaign, I don't think that those wounds would have been. Would, they wouldn't have continued on. It would have been yeah. like occasionally it's, you are yeah. reminded of the pain on a cold day. So to bring us back. Yeah, sorry. so Kim raises a good point there, which is you can have a great group of uh, individuals, but sometimes someone might have a really shitty day or be in a really mm. bad mood for factors outside of your control, etc., etc. In that case, do you think you need to again let that kind of thing run its course, or can you? GM or players try and re-engage them and if get their interest? If it happens in-game... Sorry, I've been talking a lot. No, it's yeah. 
I'll, I was going to let okay. you go. Um, uh, if it happens in game, I think you just got to let it run its course. Hope yeah. that everyone's mature. We're adults. talking yeah, pre-game. I have and, an alternate solution. And, and comes back to this uh, as uh, per character validation, which I think we should come back and talk a little bit about uh, soon. Yeah. Um, uh, but if it happens beforehand, like um, at work. For example, I think Kim's about to talk about the thing that I was going to talk about. Are you going to talk about you should if you know you're going to be in a shitty mood, you should tell someone. Yeah, yeah, you totally, so, you totally should. Yeah. And that is one of the key issues I have with um, long running run, long running campaigns that have a day. Yeah, the schedule. So, like, you've got five people, and you do it every second Thursday. Mm. What happens if you don't feel great on that Thursday? And I think that it can really sap the energy out of your play Mm. and make you not want to play the campaign anymore for the rest of its continuation. It doesn't just have an effect Mm. on that day, and I don't know what the solution is. I have one, and I have, and I oh, have seen, man. and I have <laughs> seen this solution run. We have this problem. I was worried about this coming up with better angels, and it's come up with other games. And the solution is, if you know a day isn't gonna work for you, um, with more than like two hours notice, you tell everyone else involved and see if you can get another day working. And we have had pretty good success with, uh, I can't make it to this day because a thing has come <coughs> up, can we move it to another day for this fortnight cycle? Yeah. Uh, and we've had that work pretty well. Um, I've seen that work for Xandra, uh, Caitlin and Billy's dual campaign that has worked for, uh, and I've done it with Better Angels, uh, because Better Angels, more so than any other role-playing game that I've ever played, requires all the players to be there. It doesn't work properly if you have to get somebody to substitute. So, is someone under, is like in a in a in a game that is less heavily involved in uh, everyone else being there? Do you mm. think that it's a valid there's a valid solution to um, just have that player sit out for that run and they come up with character reason why? Ah. So you got, oh. You, you, you got, so sometimes you got, you got six players and you tank can't make it for example like we'll just consider so if it's if it's like if it's a standard dnd uh dungeon crawl type campaign yeah i don't have a problem with that if it's a long-running game like and you're expecting to do like 48 games in the 52 week year don't have a problem with somebody missing one every now and again i don't see any problem with that although i wouldn't run that type of game uh even on that scale uh the thing that i was going to say as well um linking to these topics is that if you know you're going to be in a bad mood, um, it is better to tell everyone in advance, even if you still intend to come to the game, yeah. um, and you still want to come to the game, but you know you're going to be in a less than optimal mood. Tell everyone, because it might be that uh, just having that um, that pressure to perform well for others uh, yeah, removed will help. Um and they might know of some way to make you more comfortable. Um, they might be able to help you out in that regard. You need... The key to all relationships 
is communication. I, and that is really and that is true in role playing game uh, relationships as well. I am a very strong advocate of if you are uh, in a shitty mood and you have come to the conclusion that I don't want to play uh, we talked about before because it's it's gonna you know to an extent poison my enjoyment of this game. You should sit out, yeah. and, and I, I feel even if you're not in, even if it's a heavy plot going down, and this could potentially really yeah. affect the unplays, you should still sit out because I cannot stress enough how much it affects a game when there is someone there who clearly doesn't want to be there. Yeah, Everyone you, can feel it, and it can yeah. spread. If you really don't want to be at a game, um, just be honest about those reasons, uh, and. And the key is something that I find is really important is don't just say I can't make it to a run um, if you've if something's come up like don't say oh I've got a dinner with the parents I can't come to this run and then nothing else offer an alternative solution even if the alternative doesn't work it shows that you have at the very least it's a token effort you're showing that you have considered uh, a solution for the other p- people. The important thing, I think, at the end of the day, is we play these things for fun. So Indeed. So if, if it's you, not going to be fun, don't play. Yeah, if you can't do the Omega Dungeon Crawl because a player really doesn't want to be there, then postpone it if you have Indeed. to. Do I know it else. sucks, but yeah. in the long run, I believe that is the fast period alternative. Indeed. Uh, you got to... Yeah. Um, <coughs> something that I... Uh, that I ascribe to and that I do... This isn't like a thing that I developed. It is just a natural part of who I am. In social conflict, compromise, where possible, is very important. You need to be willing to give to uh, give way for other people. So what happens when you get uh, a player or players who aren't prepared to give? So this relates into my next question, which is... Is there a point where, as a storyteller, or as another player, you mm. feel validated in asking someone to leave the game? Maybe just for that session? Maybe permanently? What is there a trigger? Is that ever a reasonable I've had, response? I've had ones where the um, GM has gotten upset. Uh, not related to the gameplay, uh, but related to some of the actions of the players. Uh and has but those actions were in character or no 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 out of character okay. so these were just people talking to each other it just happened to be at a gaming event yeah uh, I've had had a situation where I can think of I can think of one clearly and I think there might be a second uh, where the GM has said mid run they don't want to continue on anymore um, for whatever reason um to get back to your point, yes, I totally think that there is a situation where that is called for asking a player to leave. Uh, if it's going to be pretty extreme. Yeah, it yeah. does it's have to be, be pretty extreme because you set um, Something that comes to mind well. would be if a player is at their very core not not gr- uh, engaging with the central theme of the game and is not going along with it. A player that is um, fighting you constantly and moving against the premise, you should take steps to uh, switch that around. Because it might be that you're the kind of group that can only one 
you know, you might be the only gaming group in town and you might only be able to uh, run one campaign at a time and they might only be playing because they want to role play but they don't actually have any interest in what you're playing um, and that can be detrimental. Um, so another thing would be if, like, one of your players has a an attitude that is not compatible with the others around. They might be uh, too boisterous for the uh, other players involved, or they might be uh, constantly talking about things that make the other players uncomfortable. Um, whatever those might be. Uh, yeah, those are the kind of things where I think a player um, should be uh, it should be brought to the player's attention. I had a similar thing happen, and if at any time you want to say something, Kim, just mm-hmm. put your hand up. Um, I had a, a situation recently where a player had painted their character into a corner that meant that they kept saying no, and this was in a Better Angels game. Um, the human host kept denying the demon's offers, um, and that is fine within the game if the player intends to resolve that on an arc soon, like within the next game. So it might be like, oh, I'm just shying away from my demon for this run because they had me kill someone and I'm a little off about that, but I'm going to come back around to it and return to the game status quo. But that wasn't the way this was going. The player had decided that their characters are choice would basically be to not engage with the demon ever again uh, and to uh, step away from the demon and basically just go into just complete non-interaction with it um, not even taking the exorcism path uh, really Uh, so that just I put it to the players as to all the players not just the player who was not engaging properly I put it to all the players how to resolve this, and I tried to push for a way that would um, alter some of the characters' behaviour through a significantly traumatic event. So to challenge uh, this. Whereas they all thought that yeah. the character just needed to go, and I ultimately went with them even though I thought it was so narratively weaker. you're saying if a player is not uh, accommodating to the theme of the game, so uh, this individual who kept saying no, yeah. what if... They were having a really good time. They really enjoyed their character. They really enjoyed playing it. They really enjoyed having a character interact with the other characters, and they were, you know, they were enjoying. Well, the so the fundamental the fundamental to... reason that this came to such a dramatic conclusion, um, and one that I wouldn't really push, is because they weren't saying no to the GM. They were saying no to another character. So this originated as a player uh, issue within player the player issue yes so this started and then came to you or did well, you so it, 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 it really came apparent in one run like from the beginning of the run it just sort of escalated and then everybody was sort of pointing it out and like I was thinking maybe that he's going to resolve uh, maybe they're going to resolve this some way but it then became apparent that that was not the case uh, and so we tried to work out a way around it so um, if it if the player was still enjoying playing the character and this, that, and the other thing, and the other things you listed, then you try to find another solution. But if they can't find a way to 
change so that their fun meshes with the other player's fun, uh, then uh, you ultimately need to make a hard call, whether that is yeah. get them to make a new character or ask them to uh, resign their position. Th- this all comes back to communication. It's not like we're on a dramatic stage here where you're mm. sort of like blocking one of the other actors on the stage and you can't kind of break character and say, hey yeah. man, yeah. what gives? Yeah. We are role-playing here, so there is in-character conversation, there is out-of-character conversation, and you can have those two things back-to-back. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, it's not totally. like we have to wait until the end of the run to raise this issue. This issue can be raised now. Yeah, indeed. And I believe this is what Raymond did yeah, we. But maybe in not so many words, actually offered outs. These outs offered ways to resolve your conflict that is in keeping with the theme of the game. Yeah. Breaking, breaking the theme of the game is another one of those heinous slash heinous crimes. Um, yeah. mm. uh, that it's part of the contract of being a player. Yeah. You. Well, and it's also part of the contract of being a GM. There's a responsibility of the GM to explain the, the theme, yeah. theme of the game yeah. properly. And then if the player agrees to play, then they have also s- verbally signed a contract yeah. that says that they will keep to the theme of the game as, de- as defined by the GM and if the GM thinks that a particular player's actions whether that is as themselves or through their character breaks the theme of the game then th- then it's the GM's call because they yeah. are the arbiter on the theme so do it's, you they, they run this show do you advocate shit. from that uh, uh, storytellers turning away players from like not necessarily not doing the game but say you've got a game you're planning it, you're getting players uh, seeing who's interested, do you then think DM should turn away players? Yeah, they I, think saw, I, I think Kim not. talked about this last. Um, I, I, I saw this on the list. Yes, yeah, of course. Yeah, um, you I should. Think, you I should think be choosing players that you think are going to interact and mesh well with the material. So you guys don't yeah. think they should be given a chance. You think if you think I, it's not going to work, I, think, I mean, it depends. Well, well, you you make your own judge of their personality. Yeah. Like, yeah. let's say we're talking about a new role player. You yeah. don't know. Of course, they deserve. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you got to put them in a game. Yeah. So, but if it doesn't go well with those particular people, then you think about games in the future. I, um, yeah. But uh, Raymond actually alerted me to something that I hadn't considered before. If your role playing experiences are limited, then maybe you can't choose your players the way you want. Yes, if you have a small amount of, if you have a small group and a small friend base to draw from, um, which was certainly our case earlier on mm. in the role playing. Yeah, then you can't. Yeah, it's it's a lot harder to exclude someone then, then in that situation yeah. because then it's not just, oh well I didn't think you'd like this game, but there's plenty of other games you can play and it's, I don't want you in this role playing game. Um, too bad. And that was certainly the way that I felt after I had my first experience with a role-playing <coughs> game. I got to play one session and then um, somebody decided to rather than be truth, rather than be open decided to try and spare my feelings by saying, oh well we might get you back to play on. And then didn't and didn't say fine uh, finitely? Is that the yeah, right word? Yeah. Uh, 
no. They just sort of said, oh, uh, and then didn't really talk about it. Uh, and once you have tried role-playing games, if you really like it, it is super, or at least in my experience, super uncomfortable to not be able to engage mm. with that content. It's it's like sex in that regards, in that it is not as fun on your own. <laughs> um, and when you and when you can't, and it's a collaborative, cooperative group activity. And when you can't. Uh, engage that want to engage yeah. with you in that activity it, it can become, it's really it can really become really bad. almost painful and so that is that is certainly something that I'm sure is really hard for people that have smaller groups of role playing friends to uh, interact with but uh, Ray- Raymond here is the is the quintessential example of a story that's gone really well he's now involved with a reasonably extensive role playing community that we can actually have multiple games without being the same players Indeed. running at the same time and he uh, like is four um, or five the the, the the primary creative uh, <laughs> of the it's uh, not a cult we swear of, of, of the um, insert quest here uh administration team. I don't, so, I don't know if I've mentioned this before on Crusading Couch, but something that really helped me with when I... And this isn't from that first time when I wanted to play games. This is from more recently. When I really wanted to play... I really wanted to play Eclipse Phase. No one here was really interested. Um, and I went searching for... I didn't go searching for actual plays because I didn't really know that they were really a thing. I went searching for more Eclipse Phase material and stumbled across an actual play and now that is my primarily... Primary Primary passion. It is my primary passion is to create role-playing actual plays. Uh, For those of you playing at home, that is an in-joke that you can catch in our travel casts. Yes. From our Melbourne trip. Three Three Boys Boys Arena. Um, Cross promotion. Yeah, excellent. Um, so that's, our what I, that's what I expect from the primary directive. What creative? Damn it! Primary. The primary directive is a Star Trek thing. Uh, what? What? What was I going to say? I we got a little bit more sidetracked there. I was going to try and bring this back in a nice little segue. It worked really well in my head, and now I've totally forgotten <laughs> well, the purpose of my uh, of promotional thing. However. Um, Oh yeah, that's right. We're uh, back. Uh, yeah, uh, Raymond did actually get people, uh, namely me, to uh, be interested in Eclipse Phase because of a uh, excellent piece of communication in terms of theme, and explained to me that uh, Eclipse Phase is actually a horror theme. It is a horror game in a transhuman setting. Yeah, and that really changed the way that I approach the game. I think I've mentioned this on in, yeah. on Crusading Cat. Yeah. And we will definitely talk about it when we do our episode on theme and how... Yeah, totally. So, coming back to how you uh, pick your players or... Yeah, this was the thing I was going to say. Or, or, or whatever. I got on board and now Raymond has a co-advocate within our immediate role-playing community for Eclipse Phase, because I think it's really... I, I really like it. It's a good game. So, Posthuman Studios, send us some material, and we'll totally put that up on our website. We also accept blank checks. Yeah. We also accept blank checks. But what we're talking about... Yeah, the thing I was going to say, oh, sorry, yeah. was yeah, yeah. Um, I 
don't pitch Eclipse Phase games. I don't ask Caitlin, who was on our last episode, to play an Eclipse Phase game games because she's I don't think she would have a problem watching like Eclipse Phase if it was a TV show but it's not what she wants to play she yeah. really wants to engage with fantasy content uh, although she will stretch that to like uh, modern uh, stuff if it's got magic um, which is you know part of the draw of Wild Darkness for a lot of our friends um, Wild, Dar- Wild Darkness Wild Darkness I think you just combine three. I would play that game. I would play Wild Darkness. You'd play Wild Darkness so hard. Yeah. It'd basically just be Wild of Darkness with the Wild Talents rules, which is what Wild of Darkness wants to be anyway. Um, wild Darkness. <laughs> sorry, World of Darkness was what I meant to say. Uh, yeah. I, w- I don't. And I don't. Or Dylan, who is also interested in fantasy, I haven't asked him to play any of those games because he's told me that that's not his jam. Mm. And so, you, when you get to know someone, you know the kind of games that they're willing to be play play with, and you shouldn't you shouldn't rule them out yeah. of things. Yeah. Um, so people like are, if I came up with. I can think of one Eclipse Face scenario that I am toying with that I could probably get Caitlin to play in, um, set in the uh, Fortress in the Borderlands, which is um, the La France rig of the There's No Going Back uh, Scum Swarm. So that is like, it's basically fantasy setting buried inside sci-fi setting, transhumanism. So it's like everybody in that Scum Swarm is role-playing a character, <coughs> so you'd be role-playing, role-playing. Role-playing squared. So speaking of knowing... Hang on. Yeah. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Someone's got to bring this train wreck back. You yeah. just keep pushing that. So, interesting tangent, we're talking about GMs selecting uh, party members. What happens if you get a group of people that approach you, like a group of beginners, say, and this is a situation that I actually find myself in. I've not I, had this yet, but I'm, I I've have been, a I group one. of uh, three, ah. or, three or four beginners mm. that have come to me, like, I've talked to them about my role-playing experiences, and they have said, we want to get yeah. in a game, we want to and go because to there. you are our yeah. primary role-playing contact, we want you mm. to GM it. You aren't picking your players here. You've got four people who you know that want to play in a game and they want you to GM. This comes back to my Blue Rose hypothetical. Holy shit. What? How? Do. Well, I think... Well, the way that I would do it is I'd sit down and have a discussion with them, like, about role-playing, talk about the... The main genres of role. Insert quest here. Well, you could do that. I would talk about the main genres of role playing. So the main genres really are horror, fantasy, adventure, uh, science fiction, and superheroes. Those are the really big genres. Uh, and I would discuss how those sort of games play out. So, because we've covered some of this stuff before as well, yeah. you would advocate you presenting them with choices and working together to try rather and than find going, their taste, okay. rather than just chucking them. So, into you think a that thing. the uh, the uh, the Kim Zim in this situation, yeah, Doctor Zeddy, shouldn't go. All right, these people obviously want to experience something. They don't have too much knowledge. Yeah. Ah, uh, here is something that I, uh, genre I am really passionate about and would like to share with them, and it's something I can really get behind and do with enthusiasm. Yeah. 
would it not potentially be better that he takes that and they go on this sort of journey together? Well, so I was using the an example of me as the GM, uh, whereas I am willing to run pretty much any genre and any game, except I will not run Fatal, which is the serial killer rapist RPG, yep. uh, and I will not run Twilight 2000 or Continuum, which are data uh, uh, spreadsheet calculus RPGs like huge amounts of math involved like to the point where I don't think those games can be fun um, I don't know much you like math um, well yeah that's yeah, true okay. people play Eve so people play Eve they do uh, so I couldn't do what Raymond would do because I am not as passionate about as many things. Fair enough. Or as yeah. role playing generally. I, in this situation, I, because I'm in this situation, like right now, it's real a, time. It's fantasy. On the 19th of March, 2015. You've dated the podcast! It doesn't really matter because I post them, I'd post them straight away if I could. If you hear screaming, the police have come for us. Please get our message out. Um, and. Uh, so you went with a with like a D and D fantasy type? Thing? Yeah, that's that, that, that's exactly what I'm thinking. I haven't talked to them about this yet because I'm actually wanting to go to them with a fully formed idea that I can explain. Yeah, well, I, I reckon I can explain in full. However, even though that that is the core of what Billy suggested, I do believe that that has higher risk than Raymond's suggestion because if you force someone into a situation that you're really passionate about so you should theoretically be a better DM but they're not really passionate about it then you can give them a really bad first role playing experience and put them off role playing for the rest of their life so it is high risk you're forcing them because they have come to you going we want some of what you've told us we don't really know anything we want you to make it happen they're not going and this ties into a little to a subject about how much players can peer pressure DMs uh, they're not going we really want you to run this, t- this type of game they're just going give us give us the experience give us your full yeah. give us your full blooded role playing experience yeah. um, anyway it's a little bit off topic um, yeah so going on with the, the peer pressure yeah. So, is it possible for a group of players to influence... And this can go back a little to player valid- validation we were talking about before as well. It's possible for a group of players to influence the storyteller because he is worried about negative reactions. Yes, totally. I can think of examples. Um, this is I'm, back to the politics and dynamics. I know a GM that uh, refused to kill a player character no matter what situation that player character got themselves into. Uh, And there were examples where other player characters were along with them and those characters died, uh, but this one character just kept on surviving. And that was because the uh, GM was afraid of the reaction uh, that that player might give. They were afraid that they would... I believe the actual thing they were worried about was uh, the player getting angry at them. Um, another player I've had, uh, I've seen was worried that, uh, same GM was worried that this one, uh, player would be 
uh, upset and sad and distraught if their character died uh, and wouldn't in, uh, wouldn't want to play anymore. Um, so yeah, this relates back to one of our earlier podcasts. Look up letting go of characters uh. and campaigns. <laughs> it's not our best. It's not our best, but look it up because it does relate. Um, uh, yeah, no, but the yeah, uh, peer pressure can definitely affect the GM. Um, totally. Um, fear of death is part of the character experience, I think. Uh, so, uh, if you are not living in at least a mild fear that the character might die at any time, then you're not really playing. So they talk about this in a recent episode of PBS Ideas Channel. Um, on role playing and uh, role playing game GMing and comic book writing, yeah, uh, we're hoping to do. Kim and I are hoping to do a little bit of, uh, uh, of a response to that. Um, but that is a video worth checking out. PBS Ideas Channel. What was the title? Um, RPG. Uh, no, it was uh, comic book. Uh, comic book series and uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Gaming, I think, is what it was called. It had Dungeons and Dragons. It is there. from March 18th or 19th? 18th in America. 18th. It'll be from March 18th, 2015. So the peer pressure is a thing, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So this can obviously make sense it would occur between players. So is there a point where... Oh, yeah. So like a, a player... Um, convincing yeah. another so, player to do a thing yeah let's say for instance we've got a player who really likes uh diplomacy and maybe three other players who really like just getting in there and smacking the bitch yeah uh, so they can so that yeah. player who wants to talk a situation out is under constant pressure whether intentionally or unintentionally from the other three to just not waste their time uh, and just let them run in and fight it yeah, yeah. the diplomatic character is in a sucky situation yeah is um, there is there a is there a get out card again? Does the GM need to step in this and be the bad guy like we discussed before? I mean, or I know I know of some game solutions uh, to this problem. Um, none that I've run um, or seen run, but ones that I have heard about secondhand. Uh, there was one game where the players were split. Uh, this is a little bit different because they were split evenly between what they wanted to do. Um, they wanted to. One group of them wanted to research and learn all they could about this particular cult, whereas the other players just wanted to... The other group just wanted to, like, fight. Yeah. And so the way they reconciled that is they would set in their fighter group first up. Like, they'd set up... They set up the game so that they got to the cult thing at the beginning, then the, cult, the fighters ran in, murdered all the cultists, and then the guys that wanted to do research stuff came in and did their research stuff and that let the players that just wanted to fight sit aside and you know yeah. talk or whatever so Kim someone has discussed specifically making characters do a thing their yeah. thing does that would that satisfy you that situation where you're essentially time sharing your primary passions uh, not all the time yeah yeah, um, yeah. would depend obviously everything uh, is contextual yeah um, I think some of it actually also comes down to the opinion of your GM Mm. Uh, personally, I would like to encourage the diplomatic character slash characters to actually get in there and try and diplome. And one effective but brutal way to do that is uh, to create unwinnable fights. 
Yes, unwinnable um, fight. You fight. You you crush the fighty characters into submission, and next time they kind of go. Maybe diplomacy is not such a bad idea if we can talk our way out My of this situation. Is that we that may that not get our ass handed to us. I suppose this can potentially come back to the peer pressure of the DGM as well, because if those plays don't change and they're just like, oh. Well, the last fight he got slammed, but surely he's got to get. He knows we want to fight and we want to win, so we're going to go in again. Yeah. Um, Eclipse phase has an interesting solution to this problem in that in Eclipse phase, when your character dies, you can get re-sleeved. Uh, so Eclipse phase tries to emphasise um, planning and equipment as important things to make your players more effective. That's why they give you a whole bunch of uh, knowledge skills and stuff. You're meant to use those to get bonuses in advance of situations because it does have a focus on espionage. Um, so you can try to teach your players to plan by doing this really hard fight where they'll go in and they'll just get fucking rolled. They'll all be dead within the first 10 minutes. But if your players choose not to take that advice, then they get re-sleeved, they go back and make the same mistakes again. But the part where that then where that would differ from other games where like, oh well your characters died roll up new characters and we'll do the same dungeon again, is you get progressively more unstable as you die more often in Eclipse Phase. You, be- you develop mental neuroses and fears and paranoia. I just thought it was an interesting example of what you were talking about. But yeah, if they don't learn the lesson, then they don't learn the lesson. Um, but I wouldn't jump in and do that straight away. Like, yeah, no, yeah. Like if the G, like if the GM is notified, has noticed that one player has been singled out, or that player voices the fact that they're thinking that they're singled out, then then uh, talk about it first. Yeah, bring it up with the other ca- uh, players. Yeah. Um, on the topic of if you're trying to teach the players a lesson and you decide to teach it, and don't do try to teach them a lesson vindictively. Uh, but if you're trying to encourage them to do more planning, for example, before going into a fight or more research, and they don't take that hint the first two times, then they probably aren't going to get the hint uh, in-game, and you might need to just say to them, I'm trying to encourage you guys to do more planning, and that's why these fights are getting harder and harder, because you're not researching. And then they go, but we don't want to do planning, we want to fight this stuff. Well, if they don't want to do that, then there's, then you, you try, again... You should be trying to find a compromise. Um, yeah. If if they came into this thinking that they wouldn't have to think, but that was the kind of game you wanted to run, then you need to reassess your principles. Be like, well, this was the kind of game I was trying to run. They're like, oh, well, we we just want to fight. It's like, okay, well then I will. Maybe this isn't the game. I will for change you. that. Yeah, I yeah. Unless of course you're in a situation where there's only one. The, the, the well, I would say like, try well, and accommodate your players before just dumping them because they don't want to engage with your idea. Because ultimately, you are running. You are running... You as the GM are running the game for your players. Your players are not playing in the game for you. That's true. Uh, You are their host, not... uh, Their screenwriter. Yes. Although... It is a two-way street. You are running... You are creating a world for your players to occupy, and it is for them. At the same time, your players have agreed that you are creating this world and therefore have a certain amount of respect that they need to afford you as the GM for the world that you are creating. I think the special uh, closing take-home message for this episode is going to be communication. <laughs> Whereas, yeah, isn't that another one? Didn't we close an episode where we were just like, communicate, everybody. No, it wasn't communication. It was, um, it was immersion. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, it was a communicative version. Yeah. Just stream the core messages of each uh, podcast we've done. Yes. Um, so can you guys? I'm just going to ask if, if, if people are if there are problems between players. Something you've advocated is either being the bad guy as a DM and stepping in and wearing it yeah. to defend one player from another, so to speak, yeah. or letting things run its course. Yeah. Is there any other advice or things you consider saying to people who might be having trouble in the game? Players butting heads. A side issue things. to this is so a, a big part of being a GM is um, is acting as host, like in in the same way that uh, like an MC or or something. You're you're controlling this situation. You need to be paying attention to the behaviours and conversations that your players are having about the game and about each other uh, and try and be wary of that um, and there was another thing I was going to say and I lost it damn but yeah you need to you need to be uh, watching out uh, for the way that they're acting and and, and and trying to get their feedback as well will uh, help with that yeah mm. actually the host analogy is great because yeah when you are the host, you invite people around for a specific reason and they ascribe to the fact that they are coming for this specific right. reason. That being said, when they actually get there, the host asks them what... You know, make what, sure they're still yeah. having fun. Uh, have you had enough food? Do you need anything to drink? Are you comfortable? Is the aircon on too low? Oh, that was uh, what I was going to say. All of these kinds of things, general questions. You are asking questions of your players, like... Um, and and well, nice. you are, you, as the host, you are asking uh, questions of your guests all the time, and it's the same thing with the GM. You are asking questions of your players, and it basically can be summarised as, "Do you find this experience fulfilling?" And if the answer to that question is no for any reason, then you, as the host, have a part to play, whether it be the major or a minor part, in resolving it. Mm. Lastly, put. The thing that I was going to say, I remembered it, was uh, in part, so you're playing the host, you need to know the numbers you can handle. Uh, And that can be really hard when you're just starting out. Uh, You don't know how many players you can pay attention to. I have found that five is my upper threshold. I have a lot of trouble paying attention to... uh, all the interests of five players. Um, Four is probably a number that I'm more comfortable with and three is ideal for me. Um, Yeah, so so related to that, tips for helping you uh, manage your players is knowing, is trying to figure out how many numbers you can deal with. Um, I would say it's better to start small and work out or alternatively, if you have the opportunity, start with a giant number for like two games and then like dissolve and That's build up. Super important part in uh, knowing how many players, also knowing the players themselves. For instance, yeah, if you've got uh, prickly personalities or people who like to challenge uh, uh, calls by the GM or rules lawyers, that may uh, reduce the amount. And, and a lot of that comes down to. Um, player etiquette as well um, there are 
different expectations of players depending on the situation. Uh, if you're playing at a uh, con game uh, at, a, at a convention, then you're probably going to be playing with a, your, a GM you've never played with and like maybe up to four or five other players that you've never met. So try to be the best version of you you can. Try to be the version of you that is playing games with, uh, you know, someone you respect and want to win over. I would argue you should always be that person regardless. Yeah, fuck being that person all the time. Um, yeah, don't... You, If you're playing in a con game, you need to... You need to take special care not to be an asshole. Yeah, you can't be the dick that your friends know and love. Yeah. You need to be... <laughs> you need to be the most courteous version of you. Yeah. There it is. So, yeah. I think that the principal message from today is uh, communication. Remember your guest and host roles. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, if you have a particular thing that you would like us to discuss, if you actually value our opinions, which we hope that you do, then leave us a comment, uh, and we might get round to actually looking at your idea. Also, check out our actual plays and travel casts, and be aware of our upcoming monthly writing competition. Yes, so our monthly writing competition... Uh, we'll begin on the first of every month. Uh, we will, Kim and I will post one image uh, that is meant to serve as inspiration, and then those that wish to take part in the writing challenge uh, will submit a short story. Well, they don't have to submit a sto- short story, but publish a short story uh, inspired by this piece by the 28th uh, day of the month. Um, and then if you wish you can email those to us uh, and if we think it's if we really enjoy it we might post it on the site um, with full credit given to you as well um, of course so uh, so p- please also share our podcasts uh, if you enjoy it uh, and uh, like our Facebook page we're really trying to get or subscribe on SoundCloud or WordPress we're really trying to get the numbers up on our Facebook page um at the moment, we're at 27 likes. When we get to 30 likes, we get access to more data from Facebook that will help us um, refine our marketing and see more clearly what people are enjoying from our site. Um, we're really trying to boost the numbers. Um, we don't make any money off this podcast at the moment. Uh, it's just uh, the more people that are seeing it, the easier it is to find motivation. Uh and put in that effort. Uh, your it's kind of a feedback loop. Um, so please like, subscribe, share, comment, send us an email. Become um, involved. Send questions. Yeah, topic ideas. Yeah, topic ideas. Love some topic ideas. We'd um, love to hear from you. So that's enough. Even even if you've got um. No, no, it is not. It, not well, I just thought of another thing. Even if you've got like a, uh, a like a game question, like. This is a problem I have. Can you help us help me solve it? We'll even we'll even try and help you there. And that is enough. Yes, <laughs> that is more than enough. That's enough of a plug from us here at Insert Quest. Here, I'm Raymond. I'm Kim. I'm Will. And you're li- you've been you've been listening to <laughs> the, the Crusading, Crusading Couch. Couch. Yeah. All right.